Hi, welcome to the Potter's House Church Brisbane's online sermon series. The following sermon is a recorded message from one of our previous church services. For more information about our church, check us out online at pottershousebrisbane.com or follow us on one of our social media channels. Thanks. Let's jump into today's sermon. I appreciate people's faithfulness to come on Wednesday. And I know that there are many here who the Word of God is able to pick you up and propel you forward and keep you going. And I was kind of encouraged because I was thinking of the lyrics of number of the songs and even in particular the last one that Bobby chose to sing tonight. So Philippians chapter 3. One of the very real things about life for all of us is that there are the occasions where we become disillusioned. This can be many, many things. But being disillusioned is a feeling of disappointment. And it's when something has not turned out as good as we believe that it would. Might be a a house we bought, it might be a relationship we got involved in, it might be a job that we went for, a course that we did. Uh, it, it could be any manner of things. It might be something that you purchased and it didn't turn out what it was. But, but there's something about life that every one of us have to contend with this at times. In fact, I'll be very honest with you. I've had a few spasms of this myself of late, which is probably why I was inspired to put this message together. Because I find that there are so many things about our nation that are just heart-wrenching. And I see our country changing so much. I actually went last night to the revival in Maruka. And Pastor Umar was telling me about their building that, it was kind of funny, he kind of, he, he said, uh, guess what the building was before? So I said, a brothel. <laughs> and he said, no, a Muslim mosque. So, but then he began to tell me how when they moved out, they actually bought a Christian church building and changed into a mosque. You know, Maruka in the 60s, 70s, 80s was about as Australia as you'd get. So many things changing. And you know that some of them aren't going to turn back. And so this is what can happen in life. It can be in small things. It can be certainly in huge things as well as we become disillusioned. And I want to take that thought this evening and have a look at these very worn scriptures, well-worn. Some of you tonight, you'll have heard these preached. You've probably prayed these. You've heard many sermons on these. But I would say that's because they are so helpful and they are so instructive. Philippians 3, 12 to 14. The Apostle Paul says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. And brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. In Christ Jesus. Now, I want to take a couple of minutes and I want you to consider with me the dilemma. Because this can happen to anybody that is in this building tonight, is that we can become wounded from the battle. We've become tired, we've become weary, 
And irrespective of how long perhaps you've even been saved or been a Christian, we can even feel like we have old age spiritually. One of the things about, about a physical body growing older, if you have anything to do with elderly people and we're all becoming one as well, I'll just give you the tip tonight. But there's something about that, that as that comes on, that a person feels that. And you'll hear a comment by elderly people very, very often and they'll say, you know, the worst thing about getting older is not being able to do what you used to do. Or they'll, they'll talk about how, you know, they, they feel it in their back and they'll say, I feel it in their legs or I get tired more quickly and all these kinds of comments. But the fact is that can happen to you spiritually. You can feel like that sometimes spiritually. There's an occasion when Isaac wrongly blesses Jacob. He's meant to put the, the firstborn blessing. He's uh, uh, meant to go upon the eldest son. Uh, he gets tricked by this dodgy son of his, uh, Isaac's eyesight. It's uh, dim because of old age. He's tricked by his son into thinking that uh, this is really the son that he thinks it is. Uh, and, uh, and he says these words in Genesis 27, 18. He reaches out because he touches him and he's put some animal hide on there to trick his father and con him. And he says to him, who are you, my son? Verse 21, then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son, Esau or not. You know, that can sound like us sometimes spiritually. And what we can feel like is, is, where are you, God? Are you there? Is that still you? I, I, I can't feel you. Or I, I, I can feel you or there's something, but I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. In other words, we don't have the clarity that we used to have before. And, and this, this despair or this disillusionment, this is, this is one of Satan's masterpieces. Because immediately the thoughts had come and this, this mental barrage of thoughts is things like, you know what, I just need to quit. I, I need to give up. I need to run away. I need to just disappear. I just can't do this anymore. And I, and I know what I'm saying here tonight because this is very true, is that you can be in church and putting on your best smile or pretending to smile or trying to... But the whole time what's going on inside of our heads is, you know what, I can't do this anymore. I, I, I don't believe in this. Where's God? We're reaching out. Who knows what I'm talking about? And this despair, this disillusionment, it's like it begins to manipulate our lives. Somebody has said despair cuts the sinews of endeavour. Here's Peter, one of Jesus' own disciples. He became disillusioned when Jesus began to teach about the fact that he would die. Now, you know, imagine if you were Peter. Is that you've come into this wonderful relationship with this miracle-working Messiah, this most incredible person. And you've, you've given up all of your, uh, your fishing business, your industry. In other words, this is a total change in life for him. He's with Jesus Christ. He's experiencing these things. Uh, and then he learns one day. I mean, he, he just can't believe his ears. Uh, he hears one day from Jesus that Jesus is going to die. In fact, that he's going to be murdered. He's going to be crucified. And, and it's interesting because in Matthew 16, 22, then Peter took him aside, began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. What's, what's going on here in Peter is he's disillusioned. He's in despair. 
This is like, you know, if you're watching your team, I won't mention which one, there's a few, but you're watching your team, you know, and you're thinking they're going to win, maybe there's a chance, oh, yes, you know, they score, oh, yes, and, and, and then, the, then the other team scores. And you're in despair, you're disillusioned. Your morale disappears. And what happens to us is when this occurs in life is it begins to cloud our thinking. Listen to 2 Corinthians 1.8. This is what the Apostle Paul had gone through. He's written what we're reading from tonight. He said, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Despair means a complete loss or absence of hope. It's, it's when you become despondent. It's when uh, you, you feel gloomy. It's when you feel dejected. And I have no doubt that everyone that's here tonight has occasions of this. The Amplified Bible puts it like this. How we were utterly weighed down beyond our strength uh, so that we despaired even of life itself. And what happens at that point is that sometimes we even feel like giving up completely. Saying, you know what, I, I just can't go on. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. At that point though, the mind begins to be peppered with thoughts of returning to the old life. And we start to look back at the old life and listen very carefully the only thing that you'll see when this happens is the good. Think about the children of Israel. They've been 400 years in slavery. They get delivered. They're on this incredible journey, which is called the Exodus. It's one of your books in your Bible. And on that journey, God is giving miracle food to them. This is food that just falls from the sky. And they get sick of eating that. But they are disillusioned. They're in despair. Listen to what they say. Numbers 11.5. We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. Now, think about this tonight. Who knows what a slave is? Because that's what they were before. They were slaves. Like weeks and months before, they were slaves. For four centuries, their families have been slaves. And now as they're looking back to the past, as they're looking back over their shoulder and they're looking behind them, they're saying this crazy stuff like, well, we ate freely in Egypt. See, that's exactly what the devil does when he begins to pep your mind in the midst of disillusionment. What he says to Christians is, uh, you know what, when I, when, I was, when, when I was back in the world, you know, it was pretty good back there. We don't ever think about, for example, getting drunk, getting in fights, vomiting, getting done for drink driving. We don't think about the men that would lie so that we would agree to have sex with them. We, we don't think about those same men who would lie to us and then betray us and have two or three other girlfriends on the side getting them pregnant as well. We don't think about the diseases we would have had. We, 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 don't, we don't think about the, 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 what were quote-unquote friends who rejected us and ripped us off. 
But when our mind is peppered because we're in disillusionment and, and the devil comes in, we don't think about it. We just think, oh, you know, back then, you know, just said it was really good. You know, we just ate, you know, melons and stuff and, you know, just used to, you know, smoke Marlboro and I was so cool. And, you know, when I danced to the club and stuff, you know, everybody just knew I had the moves and I was just so amazing and I just looked incredible. I was just a chick magnet, you know. <laughs> and you know what? We, we really are messed up because it's not true. So let's think about the temptation. Because when things are not going too great, this is when the temptation of sin gets stronger. And people are less inclined to say and do stupid things when they're blessed and when they've got the victory. But what happens is, is there's this temptation that comes. This is why God gave Joshua such sound advice because God knew that there were going to be times of great discouragement and disillusionment that he would go through. Joshua 1.7, God says, Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Then he says in verse 9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In other words, what he's saying here to Joshua is don't stray. Don't be shifted from that straight course. He's talking about being focused or, or, or being one-eyed. You know, when I used to work in the bush, one of the, one of the, there was a particular kind of horse that you'd have to use uh, sometimes, and it was called a bull horse. And why I was given that name, I'm not exactly sure. There were strange names in the bush, but they, somebody came up with it. But that's what they were called. It was, it was, called, it was called a bull horse. But what this horse was for, it was, it, was, it was a horse that when you locked onto a wild beast, it was like it's, it's unbranded, it's crazy, and so it's going to gallop through the bush. Once you found it, what this horse would do is it would just full, absolutely flat chat everything all out. It would chase the bull with you on the back. And it didn't matter what you tried to do. You couldn't turn it left, you couldn't turn it right, you couldn't stop it. It was a bit like a dog and a rabbit. Once, once, it, once you, you got onto that bull, because it would be thick, sometimes thick country, but once it got onto that bull and it saw it, 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 that was it after that. You had to hang on for dear life. There was, there was nothing uh, fancy or, or pretty about these horses, but there was something in them. They were determined. They were reliable. And that's exactly how you and I have to learn to be if we're going to make it as a Christian. This is exactly what Jesus did as he was going to be crucified and he is going towards Calvary's cross. And we know he didn't want to do that. He was struggling with that big time. He's asking his father, can there be plan B here? I don't want to go through this. He knew what, how much he was going to suffer. But in Isaiah 50 verse 7, it says, which was prophetic, Therefore I have set my face like a flint. What that means is, is they're going to keep a straight course. He wasn't going to deviate left, wasn't going to deviate right. He was going to simply do that. And I want to say tonight, that is why you have to learn to say, I'm not going to let the world and the temptation of sin derail me. Jesus warned the same. Matthew 7, 13 to 14. He said, For wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. 
because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. He's giving us no pretense whatsoever. He's not saying, listen, if you're going to be a Christian, uh, hey, it's going to be cool, it's going to be sweet as, it's all good. He goes, no, listen. Uh, he goes, listen up here. He goes, if you want to live the broad way and go the way of the world, uh, he's basically saying, you know what, that's very easy to do. He's saying, but if you really are going to make it as a Christian, he goes, get ready because it's going to be difficult. That it's not going to be easy. It was Spurgeon, the great preacher, who said, it may be hard going forward, but it is worse going back. And this is why we have to settle this, because here's the, the temptation when we go through these seasons and these situations of disillusionment, uh, because we have to be so careful that we don't give the devil time to begin to gather his ranks again. This is where Samson went wrong. He shouldn't have been with the young cheeky babe. He was taking the risk here. And you know what? He, you know, if you take a girl out, generally speaking, well, it used to be like that, she, she wouldn't be lying down, you know, with your head in his lap on the first outing. Just a guess. They've probably spent quite a bit of time together before they got to that point. They're probably texting through into the dark hours of the evening. And, you know, where the texting probably started out, how was your day? Oh, I didn't get the job. Oh, the boss, you know, he was a donkey. But, you know, around by 11, 11.30, oh, what are you wearing tonight? <laughs> You're looking good, you know. I think you've lost some weight and... I reckon there's somewhere there with Samson and Delilah, they, you know, they're pushing the boundaries. I mean, think about it, because when he finally gets busted, it's like, see, you, you have to set your face and go, I'm not, I'm not going to back off. I'm going to live for Jesus. And in our text, Paul gives double-barreled advice. He says, number one, you've got to forget what's behind. Number two, reach forward to what's in front. In verse 13, he says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And the Amplified, one thing I do, it is my one aspiration, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Listen to the Phillips translation. He says, I concentrate on this. I forget all that lies behind me and with hands outstretched to whatever lies ahead, I go straight for the goal. And this has to apply to all different areas. It has to apply to your marriage has to apply to your finances. It has to apply to your children. But listen to me tonight. It has to apply to everything about our past. We have to let it go. It's over. That's why it's called the past. It's past. It's behind us. That doesn't mean that we're not going to know about it. It doesn't mean that we're not going to live our lives where we, we just somehow it's just uh, going to be just blanked or just wiped from our, our memory. But what Paul is simply saying here is that this is a conscious decision of saying, I'm not going to let that manipulate my life. I'm going to let it go. It's behind me. It's over. And he says, I press 
toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And all God is looking for is steady application. You don't have to be a super performer. But neither is it any good to have sporadic bursts. You say, oh, I'm a come to church, I'm excited, praise the Lord, I am all kind of, I'm real spiritual, I'm into this. And then, you know, you have like a week and a half where you're just like in church. Now, I, I see, I can see from here, that's so why I'm not making it up. Well, you know, we'll go in the prayer room and sort of killing and, you know, rebuking and castrating the devil and doing everything. And, <laughs> and then there's other times you just sit in prayer and just play on the phone and not pray. See, sporadic bursts are no good. And God's not looking for the, for the super achiever Christian, the super performer. But what he simply is wanting is a steady application. And when you and I learn how to have that steady application as a Christian, it minimizes the intensity of the valley experiences. And when we learn to just steadily, just, just keep doing what we're meant to do, just, just one foot in front of the other, but just to keep going, and not letting what's behind us manipulate us and take control, not beginning to look back, not being like the children of Israel, not entertaining you know, those things from the past, the, the old relationships, the old places, the old sessions, the old things, but saying, you know what, now that's behind me now. I'm going to go forward in life and I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to make it. So as I finish this evening, I want you to think with me about that statement in itself, is that we can make it. Because we can do this, we can serve God. If Jesus made it onto the cross, we can carry it. In Hebrews 12, 1-2, it says, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Remember what we said in Isaiah that Jesus would do, Isaiah 57. He said, therefore, I have set my face like a flint. That Jesus said, you know, I am going to do this. I am resolute. And we need to be encouraged that we're not, not allow that despair to manipulate our lives if Christ is our leader. Think about Moses and the children of Israel as they are on that exodus aforementioned. Is that he is Moses. His confidence in God was what got them through. They're hemmed in by the Red Sea in front. Pharaoh's army is in pursuit behind them and you can imagine the panic, you can imagine the despair, the disillusionment but Moses calms the situation down, he reassures the people, Exodus 14, 13, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. See tonight, church, God is going to get you there. You're going to make it. He knows the Red Sea that is seemingly in front. He knows what feels like the Egyptian army hot on your tail. But he's going to get you there. 
Because that's exactly what the Bible says, that the one who's the author and finisher, he's the one, that's what it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. He's going to make sure that you and I can finish. He's going to make sure that we get through these situations because with his help, we can fulfill what he's got for us. But listen to me tonight, it's in his strength, not our own. See, where we get into trouble is that when you and I are in, in these places of disillusionment and despair, is, is the other mistake we make in our heads is we begin to tell ourselves, I, I can't do this. <clears throat> it's too hard, excuse me. I, I can't do this. I, I, I don't have enough in me. I'm, I, I'm, I'm faltering or I'm failing or it's not working. But you see, God understands that. It's in His strength and ultimately we make it. I was reading this little article about karate and I'm not endorsing or promoting karate. I understand that uh, depending on how deep you get into this so that it's you know, rooted in Chinese witchcraft or Japanese river, which lot of you know, ninja turtles they were that came up with whatever the fighting thing is. But listen what it says. Listen what it says about karate. This person says karate is about unlocking what is inside you, maximizing what you've got, Directing it and focusing on it, it's about minimizing your weaknesses and maximizing your strengths. When I read that, I thought, that's when you get God in you. That's exactly what being saved is. It's the Spirit of God. It's Jesus who comes to live inside of us and empower us. It's the Spirit of God. Not to win karate. I'm just giving you a parallel here. But to make it as a Christian, as weak as we are, and, and yes, we know in our souls we don't have enough power. But when we focus on who God is and what he can do and maximize him in our lives, we can do it. In 1 John 4, 4, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So many wonderful scriptures. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is is made perfect in weakness. It's when we're weak is when he gets even stronger. When we feel like we can't do it or when we feel like I'm the worst Christian, when we feel like it's too hard or we start to very unwisely compare ourselves to somebody different, that's as well. We sort of think, you know what, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. God says it's when you're at that place, that's when my strength really does come to the forefront. Because Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can get through this valley. I can pass through this situation. I can get to the other side of this is that somehow as weak as I feel, as much as there's those voices screaming out at me to quit and to give up is that I don't have to give up. I can keep running the race. Psalm 18.39 For you have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. Romans 8.37, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I want to encourage you tonight, irrespective of what you are going through, you're going to make it. You'll get through this, you'll get to the other side, it's going to work out as long as you don't quit. As long as you don't start looking over our shoulder and reaching and say, you know what, it's back there. As long as we don't do that. God is going to get us through and it's going to work. 
Listen to this wonderful statement. I'll read this and conclude. It's an old poem called The Fellowship of the Committed. It says, We are part of the fellowship of the committed. We have Holy Ghost power. The die has been cast. We've stepped over the line. The love of God controls us. The decision has been made. We are disciples of Christ. We won't look back, let up, slow down or back away. Our past is redeemed. Our presence makes sense. Our future is secure. We are finished and done with low living, sight walking and small planning, smooth knees, colourless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, cheap giving and dwarf goals. We no longer need preeminence, affluence, position, promotions, plaudits or popularity. We don't have to be right first, tops, recognised, praised, regarded or awarded. We now live by faith, lean on God's presence, walk in patience, live by prayer and labour with power. Our face is set, our gate is fast, our goal is the kingdom of God. Our road is narrow, our way is rough, our companions are few, our guide reliable, our mission is clear. We cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded or delayed. We will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of our adversaries, negotiate in the pools of popularity or meander in the maze of mediocrity. We won't give up, shut up, let up until we've stayed up, stirred up, prayed up, paid up, spoken up for the cause of Christ. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. We must go till he comes, give till we drop, preach till all know we are Christ's disciples. Hallelujah. We are his disciples. I would encourage you tonight is God's going to get you through this and it's going to work out. Let's pray. Thank you so much for joining us for today's sermon. We pray that God spoke to you. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button to join us for our next episode. Can't wait until then? Check us out online at pottershousebrisbane.com to see what other content we have. Or better yet, if you live in the local Brisbane area, have a look at our service times and see when perhaps you can visit us in person. We'd love to have you come to our church. Thank you again for taking the time to join us today. We'll see you next time.